Darian, could I just get you to count to 10? <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Beautiful. Read like a true so Sesame so Street so presenter. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And now we've got Cindy. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, oh wait, 10. So on TikTok and Instagram... Wade through the very white world of wellness influencers and conspiracy theorists and skinny, shiny supermodels, and you will find my two fabulous guests on Science Friction today. Okay, this is going to sound dumb, but I'm very fascinated just listening to y'all talk, and I just love picking up your accents. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say you have an accent. In Houston, Texas, actor and scientist, he has degrees in both, Darian Nguyen is on TikTok and Instagram as Lab Shenanigans and hosts the podcast Scientifically Speaking. It all started one difficult late night back in the lab working hard and he hit record on his camera. Well, he's gone gangbusters with over 700,000 social media followers lapping up his flirtatious, hilarious, candid takes on science just don't call him an influencer, though. Oh, really? <laughs> content creator. That's what I like saying, content creator. Cindy Pham in Melbourne is on Instagram as The Scholar Diaries. And for her, it started with sharing the struggles of doing a PhD. And anyone who's tried one knows it is damn hard, sometimes hellish. Well, 40,000 followers later, people flock to Cindy and her really personal but ultimately empowering posts about surviving and thriving as a first-generation Vietnamese-Australian, first in her family to go to university, and as a young woman in science. And I recently finished my PhD. Congratulations! <laughs> Huge! Thank you. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, so that's Dr Cindy Pham now. Her PhD looked at factors early in life that might contribute to a child developing neurodevelopmental or behavioural disorders. Cindy, are you Vietnamese, by the way? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just so rare to see Vietnamese people in STEM. Yeah, it is. You saw my last name, you're like, yep, you're Vietnamese. Yep. And I'm Natasha Mitchell. Okay, Cindy and Darian might hit me for revealing some of our cheeky back chatter there before we shared a long and candid and quite moving conversation. This is going to head in directions you might not imagine. I've always liked science growing up. And then middle high school, I got involved with theater and I just, I don't know, it's something about performing on stage. I love that too. And I just decided to go full force, turn down grad school. And it just has been going uphill since. And it's just, everything has been like a domino effect. But Darian Nguyen, what does it feel like being called the Bill Nye of millennials? <laughs> It's so scary because here's the thing. Bill Nye did a lot for our childhood. He's a great science communicator. And I just am, there's a saying in Vietnamese, Cindy will know it. Yeah. And it's called ham choy. Oh my God. <laughs> ham <choy. Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like playing around, fooling around. And I'm just having fun making content online that happens to be science. Ham choy kind of means like, or parents use it when they're kind of like scolding their children, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yeah. you're just out playing around, fooling around, why aren't you All at the home time. doing the chores, studying? Interesting. You're just out there fooling around. <laughs> Cindy hard relates to this. Yes. That's so, what I'm doing online. <laughs> Darian, the thing is, you are not Bill Nye. You are the antithesis of a white cis het male, right? And that's the point. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I'm the complete opposite. I'm Asian, homo, but I am male. So I guess that's, that's the only um, common denominator there. Your videos are on Lab Shenanigans uh, uh, camp. They are fabulous. They are, are hilarious. <laughs> I've really never seen someone explain really complex concepts in biochemistry so effectively well, in six-minute comedy skits. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, it's entertainment, but is your sneaky mission to educate? Education is always like the second objective. My primary objective is one, how can I make this look fun? And how can I make this fun for myself? I think uh, I try to do it in a very like unconventional way because when we think of science, it's very like prim and proper. And I want to show that like science can be taught in like in an inappropriate way where like <laughs> if you use um, like an audio way. that has a lot of cuss words, people will be entertained to see that what this inappropriate audio is paired with this educational science content like that is they don't go together like science should be like this and i think that's what makes it fun for me like i'll read comments that say oh my gosh like i wish you were my biology teacher or why wasn't why wasn't science taught like this back then or oh my gosh like now i'm able to remember this concept because of you or why didn't you make this video last week because i just had an exam on this last week <laughs> Which I'm like, what? <laughs> I love that. So Once much. again, I'm like, these are not real people. These are robots. What the heck? <laughs> Cindy Pham, the Scholar Diaries, your Insta channel, is such a, a candid and vulnerable and uh, incredibly open, supportive place. And you started it in the final year of your PhD. <laughs> yeah. Why did you do that? I think it came from a dark place. Yeah, yeah it was. Um one of my hardest years in my PhD and I was undergoing a lot of mental health challenges and it was also amidst the pandemic. We had just gone into lockdown six and it was a really hard time being a PhD student. My field work got cancelled and then oh I was working at home, isolated and I was feeling very alone. And so I made the Scholar Diaries purely to find a community of like-minded people. Amazing. Because um, sometimes it's really hard to be the only person that you know that is mm -hmm. undergoing a PhD. I couldn't really talk to my family who's never been to university. They think it's studying still. It's actually a full-time job. <laughs> and it is intense. Yeah. And you are dealing with, well, practically poverty because yeah. the, the scholarships are on the poverty line. And it's you under the poverty rent. line. It's under the poverty line. Kind of, it sounds like it was almost a cry for help. Yeah, it was. And as I kind of built my community, I realised all the challenges that I was facing is so common amongst other PhD students worldwide. Yes. So you start making these posts about your day-to-day -day experiences of being a PhD student, yep. your day-to-day -day experiences <laughs> of being a young Vietnamese woman in the sciences, yep. first-gen Australian, yep. <laughs> really putting it out there, really deciding to reveal what's going on in your psyche as well. Yeah. So what was the response? The end of 2021 was when it blossomed and that was the time when I actually paused my PhD for five weeks because I just couldn't hack it. I just lost my grandma. 
Um, I was undergoing uh, therapy on a weekly basis. Yeah. I was struggling. So I started being more vulnerable. Very vulnerable. <laughs> very, Reaching very Reaching back also into your childhood, which <laughs> yes. was also full of trauma. Yes. And I did that and I shared that because like holding on to your why is really important. Um, my parents are immigrants. My dad came to Australia by boat um, with, I don't know, two sets of clothing. So my parents, um, and then he worked on a farm and then my mom and my sister was able to fly over after two years. So my childhood was always really challenging because my parents were always away working. So I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of abandonment issues. Yeah. My high school, I was an all-girls school. Um, it wasn't entirely the best. It was a very harsh school. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it by the sounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, brutal, perhaps, is my yeah, way of describing it. Yeah, brutal. I wanted to move schools um, And things every got year. really really tenuous for you around year 12, didn't it? Yeah, so year 12 was a really hard year for me. I, like, I overdosed Mm. and I was recovering, but I was was in a very, very dark time and I was diagnosed with major depression. I was on antidepressants. I was struggling, like... I almost didn't make it. (laughs) I'm so glad you did. Thank you. But it was a really, really tough year. I I actually almost failed year 12. And I thought my life was done (laughs) because I I didn't feel like I accomplished education, which was like apparently the golden ticket that my parents always kind of embedded into my mind. Mm. And so I felt like I failed. But then I went overseas for about a month by myself and that's when I met the children at the orphanage. Cindy just mentioned an orphanage. On her Instagram page, The Scholar Diaries, there's this scene she returns to. She's sitting on the floor of a large room and a group of children with closely shaved heads are clambering all over her, hugging her, smiling, laughing. These children have become her touchstone. She calls them her why. Yeah, so they are like my light, my spark. I hold on to them so dearly. They are children of an orphanage in Vietnam. And before the pandemic, I was going back there every single year because they live with basic needs, very minimally, and they are thriving with life, so happy. So full of joy. In the most difficult of circumstances. Exactly. Children who have been abandoned yes. to monas- and a monastery, basically, yes. by their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, if the children have nothing and they're so happy and thriving, I can do that for myself. And I have so many privileges in Australia that I can set up a better life for myself. Whenever I have a rough day, I always bring myself back to that moment. And... They are my why, why I got into child health research. Those children have been in my heart for 12 or 13 years now. And that's why I go back every year, because they kind of helped me come out of that dark place. When I got back from that trip, I was like, okay, 
let's do this. So I managed to get into a university with Swinburne in science. I barely didn't really fit the legible criteria. And then I finished my first bachelor's in Monash. And then, and then you thought, well, I might as well get another one now that I've done one. <laughs> oh, wow. And wouldn't it be interesting to go back to that yeah. high school full of bullies, yeah. you know, your doctorate in hand yeah. and say, look at me now, thanks very much. <laughs> um, Give me names. Give me names <laughs> and addresses and I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> you post so candidly and then 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers. 40,000 wow. followers, people start messaging you. Yes. How much, what, what, is, what pours in behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, I get a, like thousands of direct messages. Unbelievable. <laughs> from people worldwide sharing their story that either resonates with a certain post or they just need help or advice with their journey. Like just sharing their encouragement Surprisingly, I once had a high school student um, around 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, 12 years old, reach out to me. She's like, hi, I'm in high school, but you're my biggest role model and I just want to be like you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is so sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, for so long that there was this almost normalised assumption that people would have some sort of major psychological breakdown when they did postgraduate PhD studies. It seemed to be like mm -hmm. the accepted practice that that's what was going to happen to you. And you also speak really frankly and fearlessly about your mental health, don't you too, Darian? Was that a big decision for you to do? I wanted to let people know uh, why I decided to not go into a PhD. And there was a period of time where I was just going through a quarter-life crisis of what am I doing? What do I want to do? And I worked in a research lab for a while to figure things out, but also gain more research experience. And I, I knew that a part of me wanted to go to grad school, but I spent a year talking to people, talking to PhD students, postdocs, if they were happy with their PhD. And I think with how I was feeling and with what they were telling me, I was like, okay, maybe a PhD isn't for me. Such an interesting decision, isn't it? Because you 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 got an offer to do a PhD in in neuroscience to to go to grad school. You that your parents would be so proud. <laughs> oh yeah, my mom's like, well, if you don't want to go to med school, at least get like some type of degree so that you have doctor in front of your name. <laughs> so what was that decision about to walk away from that offer? Was that a big decision? It was a big decision because I, this was in the middle of the pandemic. I deferred for a year to focus on social media and acting. And I thought, let me just kind of like get this out of my system. And then um, maybe I can come back. Um, at the same time, my social media career, acting career was just blowing up. Big time. <laughs> I asked. Hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> I asked that program again, can I defer for another year? Maybe like I need another year to get this out of my system. And they're like, sorry, like we can only defer for one year. Cindy, when you explain your story, oh my gosh, I see a lot of similarities <laughs> in our stories. I'm glad. <laughs> one, obviously we're like, we're Vietnamese, first gen. Even your study, my study involved this uh, very specific neurodevelopmental um, syndrome. I was in a very, not the best lab. You know, I got burnt out and my mental health started declining and I 
went to Instagram and TikTok and just made all these videos. And initially <laughs> I, I wasn't as vulnerable. I just wanted to show the positive sides of academia. And I wanted to show that science is fun. And then, yeah, then eventually I, when I left, um, left on a really bad note with that lab where I had to talk to HR and things were worked out and it just left a really bad taste in my mouth where, where I realized, I don't know if other people have been in this position where they have someone with more authority, more power than you, who is mentally manipulating you. And so let me try to bring awareness to this. So I decided to make a podcast called Scientifically Speaking. Scientifically where, Speaking. Scientifically <laughs> Sitting Speaking. Sitting down where, with a cup of tea and a friend. <laughs> it's a wonderful podcast. Thank you. Where I invite guests who are in any realm of STEM, whether they're med students, they're researchers. And one common denominator is um, the toxicity of academia and the stress that goes into publishing papers. You don't hold back in, the, in that podcast. I do not. These are really uh, frank conversations. Uh, there's a lot of fun to them too, but there are really fearless conversations about the power dynamics inside scientific research, about harassment, about bullying, mm -hmm. the traumas mm -hmm. of, of PhD students. You know, you have to bleep some names. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> What's been the response to those conversations? And I know... Uh, Cindy's been nodding her head emphatically. But what, how have people responded to to that openness about the the dark side of academia? There aren't other podcasts that I guess um, that talk about the side of academia, and I th I think because those those other people are probably working in an institution and they could probably get in trouble. But I had just left my institution, and I felt like there is no way for me to get in trouble. <laughs> Especially since I'm bleeping out names, I'm not name dropping, I'm not naming any institutions. I experience all of this. Yeah, sexism, racism, ageism, academic oh, bullying, wow. like all of it. But I am very weary with what I have to produce of my content because I still have to protect myself and my PhD. Yeah. When I made my Instagram, just like you, Cindy, I felt so alone. And so when you said, when you mentioned how you started your Instagram page, <laughs> mind blowing to me because same, same here. I just thought it was a me thing. Like, I don't think anyone is experiencing this. And then once the DMs start coming in, that's when, when I felt like, oh my gosh, like other people are in similar positions and it's not a me thing. And when there were times when I mentioned to my PI, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. Principal investigator, your supervisor. Yeah. I don't think it's feasible for me to even complete this many experiments and get this data and quantify in a certain amount of time. And she would just always turn it on me and say, well, Darian, like, I think you have a time management problem. I don't think you're able to oh go into God. go to grad school if you, with that attitude. Putting the blame to. on you rather than on the yeah. culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, I'm already working overtime and I'm not getting paid overtime. I'm already working like 70 plus hours. Cindy, your, the Scholar Diaries Insta page is very much about, yes, sharing frank and fearless stories about your own life, your own mental health challenges, but it's also about empowering people with information, yeah, with knowledge. So to what extent has creating this page been a site of personal growth for you, of, of personal oh. understanding? Yeah, it's um, 100% growth. I've seen myself grow so much in the past two years with that page, both very personally and both Aww. very academically. 
um, I feel uh, like a sense of purpose. Like I have a sense of purpose um, with my page um, because I feel like I can motivate and inspire future generations to come that doing a PhD is possible. Because um, you, your parents were dead against you doing a PhD. <laughs> Why? So Really? Yeah. So I'm cultural clash. I'm getting towards the older, uh, the older version of myself, which is late 20s. So old. <laughs> My God. <laughs> um, and in our culture, that yeah. that is old. Like, I should have two yeah. children by now. I should be married. You should be a doctor, married. You should already have a house. Yep. Beautiful family. Mm-hmm. And so when I told them when I was done with my two bachelors that I was going to do a PhD, they were like, no, why don't you just go get a nine to five job like everyone else and get some money, earn some money. And I was just like, well, you always told me education was the key, right? (laughs) So I just pursued what I wanted to. So you did that at odds with your parents. How did that feel? What's that been like for you? Um, I think a part of them didn't really understand what a PhD was. Like I didn't. Um, So of course they wouldn't have known either. They just knew it as a title. And now they're super proud. Don't get me wrong. I love my parents. <laughs> Darian, what about you? My mom at first didn't understand social media. Um, when I told her that I wanted to do social media instead of go to grad school, mm. she's like, oh my gosh, like, are you going to be okay? Like, how are you? How are you going to find a job? And I had to <laughs> tell her like, well, social media is like really popular now. It's blowing up and people are actually able to make careers out of with all these gigs online. And once my mom saw like some of the news articles coming out and some of the videos that I've been a part of or some of the commercials I've been a part of, I think that's when she began to understand, okay, like you're taking this seriously and I'm seeing the proof. And so she hasn't really questioned it. She's always asked like, you know, are you still happy? Which I'm, I'm glad that she asks that. And I've, I've been very happy and fortunate for the past couple of years. In the Scholar Diaries, Cindy Pham, you talk about honouring your anxiety and your depression and your past trauma journey. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really struck by that word, honouring. Mm. I'm also struck by a Japanese philosophy that, you, <laughs> that you're really drawn to. What is that? Ikigai. Tell us about what that is and why social media has enabled you to experience it. So Ikigai... There's um, four components to it. It's basically on the philosophy of doing something that you are passionate about, but also being able to share it with others and being able to make money out of it. I think it sort of translates directly Mm. to reason for being. Yes, purpose. Purpose. Yeah. And so your purpose? So my purpose, I feel like, has kind of transitioned quite a bit in the past few years. I'm still trying to figure it out. I thought it was research and I still think it is research, but I feel like the system, the way that it is now, it makes it incredibly hard for people that look like me. Oh, that's, that's heartbreaking to hear you say that because <laughs> we, we need you in science. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. there is but a lot of people. do you need people... you in science is the key, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, so I definitely love science. I'm a STEM advocate. I have always loved biology since I was in high school. So I feel like there is a lot of potential out there for a lot of people, like bright, brilliant, smart people. 
But they just don't have the circumstance where they would want to pursue a PhD because it's just so challenging and it's, it, it is a white people privilege. Mm-hmm. And so people like myself, um, first generation, minority population, immigrant family, it's hard to thrive in that kind of culture because we aren't adequately supported. And so my ikigai has shifted because of that. Cindy, I feel like your stories are so compelling and (laughs) I did not know any of this. I think you should definitely make YouTube videos on this. (laughs) I feel like I need to get you two together to have a conversation (laughs) behind the scenes. (laughs) Cindy Pham, Darian Wynn, thank you so much for joining me on Science Friction this week. It's been an absolute privilege to talk to you both and congratulations on your amazing channels. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so So much. Uh. <laughs> and you can find Dr. Cindy Pham on Instagram at The Scholar Diaries, Darian Nguyen at Lab Shenanigans. And don't forget, if you are a student struggling, there are people to help. Uh, starting with your school or your university counsellors, it's really hard to ask for help, but try not to suffer alone. I'm Natasha Mitchell. Share the Science Friction podcast with your friends. I'm on Twitter, what's left of it, under Elon, at Natasha Mitchell, and I'm on Mastodon and Instagram as well. Bye. Bye.